Paranorm podcast contains content that might not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Paranorm Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Paranorm, the podcast where we chat all things true crime and paranormal. I'm Tipsy. I'm Tyre. Also known as I'm Emily. (laughs) And I'm Sierra. (laughs) And this week we are talking a fucking insane cult. And let me tell you, it was a freaking roller coaster trying to get to this cult. Because I started, I was like, I'm going to do aliens. And then I was like, I'm going to do an alien cult. And then I was like, um, <laughs> uh, maybe. And then I was like reading about Heaven's Gate and Heaven Gate, Heaven's Gate is like, as you know, one of my favorite cults because of how fucking bonkers it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the ones that wore all of the same sneakers. The oh, Nikes, yeah. Yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah. remember? We watched the documentary on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I'm going to talk about them. and, and the, But um, somebody else has just done a, like, a recent podcast on them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't, I don't really want to do one because uh, I can't remember if it was and That's Why We Drink or not. Um, had just done them. So then I found these guys. Wait, is this the one that we drove by? No, it's not. Um, I really wish it was. I really yeah. wish it was. Um, we, I'm 110% positive that we drove by a coal, y'all. And we've actually driven by a different one. Yes, we have. We've driven by two. Yeah. Two. Um, one, when we were going to the beach mm-hmm. um, and for like the day. Uh, and that was 110% a cult because I went to their website and it was <laughs> a little sketch. sketch. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, the day before yesterday. What day was that? What day? Wednesday. 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 So this past Wednesday for you guys, um, <laughs> we drove by another one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm convinced. Like, they had, like, a nice little white picket fence, y'all. Mm-hmm. And then there was a behind the white picket fence, like, not even a full, um, like, I, want, I don't even want to say it's, like, a full foot. Do you? No. Not even, like, a full foot, it looked like. There was this I mean, giant... it was a little hard to tell because... You know, yeah, depth perception and stuff, but it was pretty much right next to it. So. Yeah, like um, right behind it, and it was like a full barbed wire fence, like a very intimidating, like eight nine feet tall. Yeah, yeah, barbed wire fence, and it went on for a couple miles. Like that thing cost them like hella money. Yeah, like I can't even imagine twenty grand at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, but before we talk about cults, because I love them so much, how the <laughs> fuck are we today, Sierra? Besides you being tired and me being tipsy. Um, I think today was a pretty good day. Honestly, I don't really remember what happened. <laughs> um, this is why I answered this question for her, in case anybody was wondering. I got up early. I got up at six. Did you? Yeah. Which, whatever. I spent the night at my mother's house last night, so I was not here today. So yeah. it's really weird. So, cause I got to school at like 6.50 and, um, I was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> and then, well, cause I was like, well, they're having like breakfast uh, some community members donated breakfast. It's staff appreciation week at Sierra's work. So some community members had donated breakfast. So um, I went down there to help them like set up and everything. And 
So it was just a really early morning. And, like, just a lot of stuff happened. There was, yeah. like, it hailed and... Oh, my God. It was so weird, so random. It, yeah. like, thunderstormed for approximately three minutes um, where I was, uh, yeah, which like, is not even 20 minutes from you where you yeah. were. It was very strange. Like, we didn't... Like, we didn't really get the thunderstorms. We could see it far off, and mm-hmm. then, but by the time it got to us, it wasn't really a thunderstorm. Yeah. But it, like, downpoured, like, nobody's business. Mm-hmm. But, and at first, it was hail, mm-hmm. like, pea gravel, not yeah. anything, yeah. Really, you know, crazy. Um, and then it, it, it pretty much hailed most of the time, and then it, like, sprang, it started, once it slowed down to rain, like, it pretty much stopped within a few minutes, and then the sun was out. And yeah. it's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it was very, very weird. Um, uh, this this week for me mentally has not been great. Mm, no. Um, I we got a new fish, um, yeah. named her Lilith. Uh, she died three days after we got her. Um, two days after we got Lilith, um, Emmett died. And we've had Emmett for two and a half years, so I'm going to cry. Um, I know it's just the fish, but, like, it's my fish, and um, I've I had mean, it for two and a half anything, years. Yeah, like. um, and I know I've mentioned before, I've been home every... Oh, there's Mag saying hello. Um, I don't know if you guys heard that, but she just made a grunt. Uh, she's, she's not pleased with the whole Emmett situation. Um, but, like, I've been home every day for four months. Tuesday is our four months mark of mm-hmm. me being home out of work uh, injured. So, like, I get up every morning and I feed him it. And I go to bed every morning and I feed him it. And I was every sitting night. every night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I sit here and, like, I was sitting here day before yesterday. And I looked over to see, no, not day before yesterday. Thursday. Yesterday. Um, and I looked over and I was like, oh, what's Emmett doing? And then their tank's empty. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Okay, I'm by myself. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just not great. Um, I tried to make dinner tonight, and it didn't go well. Literally everything that went, like, that could go wrong went wrong. Um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't fun. Um, Maggie is here, so that's the, like, little glimmer of hope that I have right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, so yeah. I'm pretty sad about Emmett. I'm actually really sad about Emmett. Like, two and a half years. My little homeboy. I just, like, he was so large. Oh, my God, y'all. You have no idea how large our fish was. <laughs> like, we say he's a goldfish, but, like, he, it's like honest to God, was the side. Like, he was, he was, like. Like, his body was, like, the size, the size of, of your palm. palm. And then he had thin yeah so he was about the size of like a normal sized hand yeah like all together all together so he was like a big boy and we're assuming boy at this point and he wasn't even gold like he was silver Mm -hmm. how weird is that like we had a fan-tailed goldfish that was silver and he had one little orange spot on his belly i know we're talking a lot about a goldfish but guys i'm devastated um so yeah it's it's just been a very interesting week i needed something to like take my mind off of it so um i went and Hung out with my mom and Miss Maggie May, and then we got her for the weekend. So, because at our new house, Maggie is not allowed, technically, um, because of her breed, which is some bullshit. So, Mm. it is what it is, but I get to see her multiple times a week. Um, So, 
yeah, it's just been a very interesting week, I feel like, yeah. mentally. Who uh, knew losing my goldfish could make me go over the edge? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they rolled out this um, adult self-care like module mm-hmm. for teachers today. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was talking about like five different areas of like self-care and like what you can do like in each area and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, there was like a l- one little part about like talking to your friends about their mental health and it was like short little videos on like how to talk to your friends about their mental health Mm. basically like don't be afraid to like say something even if they don't want to talk about it just like let them know that you're there for them like and they whenever they want to talk like they can talk yeah. to you and, and poor you. I'm just like, this is what's wrong. Like <laughs> full mental breakdown over Chick-fil-A dinner the other night, like sobbing. Oh God, it was bad. It's poor Sierra. Look like a deer caught in headlights, but yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Renella's gonna have a fun time. Renella is my therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, she's gonna have a fun time on our video call next week. Um, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, let's talk about a happy subject, um, mm. like this cult. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we Psych. go. Um, okay. So we are going to start with a little backstory as usual. Um, so Terry Lee Hoffman was born March 21st, 1938. Hoffman was born into poverty and was then sent to a Lutheran orphanage, um, which is kind of the rag for like this time period, you know, like the Mm -hmm. 30, the late thirties, early forties. Cause like world war twos kick in and everything about to start kicking. Um, yeah, not yet, not yet, yet, but like, like shit's happening. It's not great. We're just now coming off of the great depression. Like I know what I'm, I I know what time we are talking about. Mm -hmm. I just had to phrase it properly. Um, so everyone fuck off. Um, not in the mood. My fish died. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the wheel I'm going at right now. <laughs> don't mess with me. My fish just died. <laughs> Basically. You um, don't even know. Let's just say Maggie was devastated when I had to tell her her brother was dead. Um, so, yeah. She's in a depressed state. <laughs> <Yeah>. She, okay. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. So, Maggie is literally sitting where Sierra usually sits. Because Sierra felt bad and didn't want to move her. <laughs> this is how much Maggie controls our lives. Mm, like She's a spoiled baby. The spoiledest. Um, anyway, okay, back to this bitch. So she was adopted two years later and renamed Terry Lee Benson. Um, when she was four, four years old under a shade tree, three men in robes appeared to her and told her that she could do or be anything she wanted. This is all according to Terry. Oh, okay. Um, Not like eyewitness reports. No, 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 gotcha. no. Um, if she wanted it badly enough, like if she wanted to be anything, she could, like by manifestation. Is oh, this, okay. it, this is the This is the role we are floating at right mm-hmm. now. This is the vibe we are Riding. flying at. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Ryden. That's the word I was looking for. Um <laughs> Uh, do, do, do. Where was I? Okay. So they told her that when she was troubled or like bothered by something, Mm -hmm. she should think about God. And they warned her that they could not be seen by many other people. Sketch. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, she was a junior. That's in how h- creepers do. Yes. Yes, it is. Very odd. So when she was a junior in high school, she met a young truck driver named John Wilder. Mm. He was 18, six foot one, and a high school dropout. Cute luck. Killing it. Yep. Earning 85 cents an hour. Wow, now they do miles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, her new mother called him a thug and, like, called her, like, called him not good enough for mm-hmm. her daughter. Okay. And her, her adopted mother, like, doted on Terry. Like, she mm-hmm. was, like, the prize of her mother's eye. Like, anything and everything Terry wanted. Okay. And, like, she was, like, a helicopter mom as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, she was very, very involved. Mm-hmm. Um... But Terry felt, like, really smothered by uh-huh. her mother. Okay, I gotcha. um, And she went on to marry John on May 2nd, 1953 in Durant, Oklahoma, which was the closest place to Dallas that a 15-year-old could get married. Oh. Terry had been 15 for just over a month. And he was already 18. Uh, by this point, he was 19. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, their first child, Kathy, was born 18 months later. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, Kenneth, a son, was born in 1958, and Virginia, their second daughter, was born in 1963. That seems like a long time to wait for this, what I feel like is the story building up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, actually, this story kind of spans for a hot minute. Well, I mean, when you start when you're 15, I guess. I was reading... I was reading a couple different things, and I was like, this is still going? Mm-hmm. What? Well. Like, there was this one article by Vox that I was reading. I was like, and it was like the 70s, and then it was like the 80s, and I was like, what? 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 <laughs> okay. Um, so it's just really, it's just really wild. Um, so Terry occupied herself with her children and gardening, um, same. Uh, <laughs> just different kind of children. Uh, Max is definitely a child. Um, the couple had a farm near Redbird Airport and like those, they described those as like the quiet years, like the peaceful years. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So Terry never finished high school, but she wanted to be more than a housewife. So. Well, I mean, like goals and actions kind of have to line up. <laughs> but okay. Yes, yes, they do. Um, and around 1954, she says she started meeting with a group of like-minded friends, meditating mm-hmm. and discussing metaphysics. And I do not get me started on metaphysics. Okay. I because I will like, sp- it's like the documentary we watched. Oh. Yeah. Like it, it like, it makes me spiral and it makes me like, if my mental health is already not in the greatest headspace right now. Mm-hmm bring metaphysics into it and I'm just like I'm ready to cry in the corner um so the origin and the structure of the universe is something they were also really like got got off on Mm -hmm. um the nature of truth the meaning of existence also hard same at three o'clock in the morning 42 (laughs) (laughs) okay so at this at this same time when she becomes interested in meditation, metaphysics, mm-hmm. and hypnotism, because hypnotism is also involved in this bitch. Oh jeez. Uh, Silva mind control and the writings of Edgar Case were also like her hot shit. Mm-hmm. Um, after attracting a number of followers in the late 1960s, because this bitch is getting followers now. Mm-hmm. 
um, she incorporated her movement as the conscious development of body, mind, and soul in 1974, selling uh, lessons and private consultations. Okay. I feel like that's how my cult starts. Mm. Like, Mm. private consultations with Maggie Mae. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Okay. But you have to, like, stare at her. Yeah, but, like, she can't see you because she's behind a two-way mirror. Because, like, if she actually sees you, she she won't enjoy it. No, you have to watch her eyes while she's barking at you. Yeah, because she... Okay, guys, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there is this Instagram Reels. I'm pretty sure it's an Instagram Reels where this dog does this... Or this guy does this impersonation of all these different breeds of dogs. (laughs) And he does, like, a pit bull. And it's, like, honestly perfect. He goes... it Like, the pit bull's, like you want a piece of me? You want a piece of me behind the door, like mm-hmm. the closed door? Yeah. And then he opens the door and he goes, hey man, what's up? <laughs> and that is honestly Maggie. Like, it, it's just so funny. And then the Great Dane is like, I am mas- I am majestic and nothing can harm me. Everyone fear me. And then it goes, ah. And he's like, what the fuck, man? You scared me. <laughs> it's so cute. Anyway, all right, back to this. I need to concentrate, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Hoffman also started a jewelry business, uh, which also is starting to sound like an MLM at this point. Mm. Um, she is incorporating it as like CD gems. Like that is, that is its tag, CD okay. gems. Um, followers were instructed to buy expensive handmade jewelry that she would then turn into powerful protective gems. Oh, uh, she's going to switch it out. Yeah. So, she, no, she was going to turn them into it. Right. Oh. Like, she was going to just, like, um, give the gems power. So, the expensive jewelry has the gems in it? Yeah. Like, say, okay, you you buy a sapphire ring. Uh-huh. You give it to me. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, like, put all of my energy into this ring and make it powerful. Mm-hmm. That is what she was doing. Right. And then she would then in turn sell it to other people. Oh, I was thinking. And say it was like this powerful piece of jewelry and like it could heal or it could stop such oh, and such okay. from happening. And I was thinking like she would just, well, kind of along those lines, mm-hmm. but like she would give you back like the fake version. She might have done that, honestly, because like it, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get to it. Get, just Hold that thought. Okay. (laughs) All right. Anyway, so they, uh, by the mid-1970s, over 100 people attended weekly lectures in Dallas, Texas. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't this sound like an MLN at this point? Yes. No, Um, ma'am. Yeah. Would not be me. No. So, and many more took Hoffman's printed lessons because at this point she's like selling like, uh, what are those things called? Booklets? No. Pamphlets? Yes, pamphlets. And, um, like, step-by-step, mm-hmm. like, how to be a better person kind of things. Right. Um, she had, like, this really nice, sweet smile and, like, a, a really, really great sense of intuition. Um, and what she said she could do, she, like, claimed herself to be the reincarnation of St. Teresa of El- Avila. Avila. We're going to go with Avila. Um, and mm, as her inner circle waged war against the blackboards. Well, duh. (laughs) 
on several planes of existence. Mm-hmm. Aiding them were God and the 12 masters, such as Jesus, who were visible to Hoffman and Hoffman alone. Uh, she also said that she could communicate with the dead and see the past and future. That's a lot of skills for one person. It, it really, really, really is. Because um, they nobody Doctor Strange. Like, no. Even he doesn't have... He can't see Jesus. The... <laughs> I mean, he didn't explicitly say that he could. <laughs> Nor did he say that he couldn't. He did say he was a um, well in the in the comics. He's an atheist, so okay. But so he doesn't hold Jesus to the same standard as or the same ideal like person. Yeah. As other people do. Yeah. But. He would, like, he could still believe that he was a person. Yes. Just like a person. Yeah. So. Okay. So, here we go. Um, she also said that she could communicate with, did I say this? With the dead? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hoffman taught her followers to avoid critical thoughts and negative energies as they could prove fatal. And she went fatal. on. Yeah. Like, your negative thoughts could kill you. That's extreme. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, she also said that she could protect her followers even from auto accidents and cancer. Yeah. No, Sierra's ma'am. making a face. No, um, ma'am. However, death was not to be feared. Well, I guess if she was friends with Jesus, like. Yeah. She could talk to Jesus mm-hmm. and was waging a war for God. <sighs> we would be the worst cult members. <laughs> I'm just be standing in the back with my arms crossed and just like have like a smirk on my face. And then I would be beside you yelling. I feel like that's the only way this would go down. <laughs> and then I'd just be like, you know what, I'm out. <laughs> Bitch, I already have the keys. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll meet you in the car. <laughs> Let me know when you burned it to the ground. Basically. Okay, so de- at this point, Terry is saying death was not to be feared as the ultimate goal was rebirth into a spiritual realm. She said that she could heal the sick, and when her son Kenneth, who was on a picnic with one group, dislocated his thumb so painfully that her students could see the bone straining against the skin, Terry said she didn't want the boy to see a doctor, and she would heal him through meditation. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, so sh- with this claim that she could protect her students from harm, one evening she told Hillcrest High School student that his girlfriend was due to die in a car accident. <laughs> yeah. Only an emergency meditation session could save her. After the session, Terry smiled serenely and the accident had been averted. I mean, technically you'll never know, right? So. Yeah. So even death did not render Terry powerless after Jimi Hendrix's demise, because we have to bring my homeboy into this. Um, she told the group that his soul needed to be boost to a higher plane, and Jimmy's drug use had brought him bad karma, and he deserved better because he made beautiful music. The group meditated, and a like benevolent expression swept over Terry's face, and she claimed that Jimmy was in the room. She said, can't you hear him? And, of course, if she claims that she can, she's like, well, you guys just can't. Like, you're not on my level, so. Yes. So, 
she would turn off the room lights and have a student hold a piece of tinted plastic in front of his face. Mm -hmm. Then she would shine a flashlight on its features. There, now everyone can see him. Like, Mm -hmm. whoever, like, this didn't only matter for, like, Jimi Hendrix. It would be, like, people that died, like, centuries ago. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Like, Plato. Okay. Yeah. Like... He yeah, ain't, he ain't got time for you. No, bitch, leave him alone. <laughs> um, gradually, those episodes plus Terry's like really weird interest in material goods because remember mm-hmm. the jewelry situation. Um, like she would, she had a new boat, mm. she had a new house, new uh, boots, new boots. <laughs> guys, if you guys follow Ricky Thompson on Instagram, and if you don't, I need you to. Like after you follow us, of course. Um, Priorities. Yes, yeah, seriously. He gives me so much life when he has a new pair of boots. Also, I have a pair of Chacos coming tomorrow. And they're my first pair. And I am so fucking pumped about life. <laughs> they're a custom pair, guys. I made them myself. And I'm so excited. Like, I didn't actually make... I designed them. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, back to Terry. Okay. So, all this shit... Mm-hmm turned some of her students into skeptics. Well, duh. Yeah. Uh, Some would leave, but others would take their places. Uh, One being her husband, John, who never believed in her powers, like in the first Mm -hmm. fucking place, and says her behavior led to the eventual demise of their household. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilder said he couldn't go along with the idea of breaking up teenage romances because this is one of the things that Terry was doing. Mm -hmm. She was saying that, um, oh, you guys don't really love each other to like these little teeny boppers. I mean, I'm telling them that they need to break up and like, I get that. Like love's not real anyway, but like, Mm. (laughs) um, I mean, I get that they but don't crush their don't little dreams. What the heck is going on? But yeah. Like, yes. Um, as, a, as a responsible adult. Yeah. You know. So at this point, Terry was working with adults and teeny boppers. So she was selling lessons in spiritual development, and they were mostly borrowed from like fucking other religions that mm-hmm. are been around forever, like Christianity. Um, and from other authors. And Wilder thought that, like, this bitch is losing her damn mind. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I marry? Um, also, you're fucking <laughs> rapist at this point. Like, mm. what? Wilder, by this point, is like, this bitch is lying. By the late 60s, she had, like, started the whole, whole conscious development shit. Mm-hmm. And was offering like love offerings for the lessons and her private consultations. And sometimes the love offerings would amount to 50 or a hundred dollars. And, um, Wilder said it was a little hard to take, especially because he was making like a hundred dollars a week. Another point of contempt was the fact that Terry had all the disciples that followed her around like fucking puppy dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, Sandra Cleaver was one of them. Okay. Remember Sandra. She goes by Sandy. Uh, Wilder remembers Sandy telling him that she thought as of Terry, like Sandy thought of Terry, mm. as Jesus. 
Yeah. 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 He also remembers Sandy giving Terry a tremendous amount of jewelry, a necklace, a bracelet, a ring. Uh, he told Sandy to take the jewelry back, and she got on her knees and begged him to let Terry have them. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was Glenn Cooley, a student at North Texas State University, who always tried to, like, sit near Terry and, like, mm-hmm. tried to be in, like, her immediate vicinity. vicinity. Um, so he could hold her hand during the meditation, uh, sessions. Gotcha. Terry says her husband, uh, like grew jealous of this. This whole part right here is very, he, sh- he said, she said, mm-hmm. um, because like, you never know. So Terry actually ended up filing, filing for divorce in December, 1970, like right. I think it was like three or four days after Christmas, mm. which those poor children, at the, like honestly yeah um soon she was taken by sheriff's deputies to parkland hospital for psychiatric evaluation oh he had her committed uh-huh he sure did um and as we learned a couple episodes ago it was very easy to do so mm-hmm. uh wilder and her mother had signed committal papers and she was released and insists that her doctor at parkland decided that she was fine Mm. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, but the divorce soon followed, and she lost custody of her young son and daughter, uh, but she actually gained custody of her oldest daughter. Okay. Yeah. What? Okay. I have no idea. Um, well, I mean, depending on how old she was, she might have said she wanted to live with her versus dad, too. Yeah. Uh, but it was also the 60s, and I, and well, at this point, it's the 70s, so I don't know how much the mm-hmm. children were taken into account to that. Um, but in the divorce, she got the 1968 Mustang, which, girl, hard same, um, an assortment of stocks, a shotgun, a rifle, and a pistol, and then a couple other things, while John Wilder kept the house, two, the two youngest children, the furniture, and the family bank accounts, which... Mm. John's coming in clear here. Yeah. Um, within months, Terry, at this point, is 33, married Glenn Cooley. Not suspicious at all. Nope. Who had just turned 20. Yeah, I was going to say, he's college. So. Yeah. Um, they went to New Mexico for the ceremony, and they were accompanied by Sandy. Uh, mm-hmm. They returned to Dallas, bought a house, and began revising and expanding the conscious development literature. Uh, Terry, like any missionary, wanted the world to know that she had the answers. And Sandy had the questions. Mm. Yeah. So, basically, we're going to learn a little bit about Sandy here. Okay. Uh, Sandy, in many ways, was like mini Terry. Mm. Like, girl, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Except... For the fact that, like, they had a very, like, they had really vastly different childhoods. Um, Terry was more on the, like, curvy side, and Sandy was very slim. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terry grew up poor. Sandy had, like, a trust. Mm -hmm. She benefited from inherited wealth and, um, like, grew up really wealthy. Mm -hmm. And Terry never graduated from high school, and... Uh, Sandy went to like an all exclusive girls school. Mm. However, at that same turn, Terry was really, really street smart. 
Sandy was hella naive. So Sandy also graduated from university. Uh, She double majored and earned nothing but A's. Uh, And yet the women had much in common. Terry's mother died of tuberculosis. Sandy was in a mental hospital when she was 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of Terry's sisters died at birth. Sandy's sister, Susan Devereaux Beatty, died in an auto accident in 1961 um, at the age of 17. Both were interested in mystical powers of jewelry and all things metaphysical. Terry's marriage with John Wilder was on the rocks, and so was Sandy's life with her husband, Chuck. So Sandy had met Chuck. Now now we get into the actual background of Sandy. Mm-hmm. Sandy had met Chuck um, at the university that she studied at in Indiana. Uh, Chuck was hard not to notice. He was, like, the, like, all-around... Quote-unquote American. Yeah, like, he played all of the sports. He and Sandy were, like, a good match, both thin, good-looking, quiet, serious, and intelligent. Sandy was, like, really, really intense, and Chuck was, like, really Mm -hmm. mild-mannered. Sounds familiar. (laughs) Just just a little bit. Um, They married fresh out of college in 1960, and they've settled in Dallas. Neighbors talked about dinners with the Cleavers because that was their name. Mm. Literally can't get any more normal than that. (laughs) Um, Where they were likely to discuss sports, the weather, and, like, talk about, um, like, a popular book or song. So, like, really normal people. Mm -hmm. In 1964, they had a daughter whom they named Susan Devereaux Cleaver, in memory of Sandy's sister, uh, they were spending a good bit of, like, Sandy's money, mm-hmm. which, eh. um, it would be years before Chuck got any kind of high-powered job, um, but Sandy had, like, money to spare, because, again, she came from money, like, and I'm not talking, right. like, like, just, like, new money, like, she came from old money, um, like, oil money, mm-hmm. um, So she also had, like, excess energy, which she burned off on, like, community projects and, like, church projects. She was, like, really Mm -hmm. fucking involved. But in 1966, Sandy's father died. He had retired from engineering, um, like, an engineering position as a a professor at Purdue University. And he was piloting a single-engine airplane when um, he was, like, approaching to land and the engine failed. And it crashed and Mm. he died. So after this, Sandy took this really fucking hard because she said that there were like so many things left unsaid and like Mm -hmm. it just wasn't left off on the best of terms. Um, Over the next few years, Sandy became a student of the supernatural. She was restless and no longer could be content by merely being Miss Chuck Cleaver. Um, having no mother except her maid, she was, like, insecure about her ability to, like, mother Devereaux. Mm-hmm. Um, troubled by the deaths of her loved ones. She was not comforted by, like, the church anymore. Um, so Sandy embarked on her, like, spiritual search. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, mysticism was at a pretty big high in the 60s and 70s. I think it's safe to say. <laughs> like, um, she was, like, captivated by, like, all of, like, those passing little hot shits, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she read um, all of the same Edgar Case novels and, like, little poems and everything mm-hmm. that Terry would. She read um, an autobiography. Oh, how do you say it? 
autobiography autobiography she read the autobiography of like a yogi like if it was if it was cool and if it was happening sandy was fucking there uh she began she to didn't know how to be her own person basically she began to attend meditation and treatment sessions hosted by a plumber of oriental extraction mm, she yeah <laughs> she took up civil mind control uh veganism and homeopathic medicine so she believed that certain jewels possessed certain healing properties which okay, okay. not All right. That's yeah fine. yes I mean, I have so many fucking crystals. It's insane. So you do you, boo. Sandy's mystic friends were seeing like this homeopathic doctor at this point, and he was from Mexico, and he would diagnose their illnesses over the cosmic airwaves and prescribe them homeopathic pills to cure them. No. Yes. Uh, the pills shipped to Sandy via gray, a Greyhound bus to avoid possible conflicts with the U.S. Postal Service. Okay. <laughs> uh, I told you, this is fucking insane. Like, the, Sandy alone just deserves her own little thing. That's why, like, I'm going into so much of it, because Sandy is fucking wild. Wow. And you have a name like Sandy, I don't really expect you to be this wild. Right. Like, you're smuggling drugs into the United States. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right, then. So, she filled an entire kitchen cabinet with this homeopathic pill mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, stuff. Um, something. Yeah. So, Sandy would take 20 of them a day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is like the people in intervention that we watch that spend like $600 on vodka a day. Yeah. Like, Basically. I, can't, I don't even get $600 in a week, like let alone a day. Yeah. So this worried homeboy Chuck. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. Um, then she began to talk about the doctor's prescriptions for their six-year-old daughter, Devereaux. No. Yes. Which fucking terrified homeboy Chuck. I would hope so. <laughs> he took the pills to a medical doctor who found them to be a mere placebos. Quote, it's not what's in the pills that you need to be concerned about, the doctor told him. What you need to be concerned about is a young, impressionable girl and the psychological implication, first, that there is something seriously wrong with her, and mm-hmm. second, that you solve it by popping pills. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, holy fucking shit for a doctor in the 70s, I'm I impressed. Mean, yeah. Um, one afternoon, Chuck came, 1132, it's 1132. I was like, what the heck? Hey, Google, turn on lights too, please. Okay, guys, so, um, our entire living room lights turned off because it is time for bed. Uh, and we have, we have a, uh, Google and, uh, she turns off things at certain times. (sighs) So it, it got dark real quick. (laughs) Anyway, so one afternoon, Chuck came home to find Sandy and Devereaux heading outside, um, suitcases packed. No. Yep. Sandy was holding two plane tickets to San Diego. She wanted to take Devereaux to her homeopath so he could put her in a special machine that turned out all of the world's bad vibrations. Oh. Yes. Chuck grabbed Sandy by her shoulders, shook her, like, what? Over my fucking... Dead body at this right, point. Yeah. Um, 
so he didn't think Sandy was trying to hurt Devereaux, mm-hmm. um, but she seemed to want whatever was best for, like, her family and everything. I uh, gotcha. But she didn't understand what that was. Though. Yeah, but she now believed that conventional doctors were quacks and unable to cure what really ailed Devereaux. Mm. Um, one night, Chuck found Devereaux's bed sheets damp with her own sweat, and she was hot to the touch and, like, really, like, clammy, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, Chuck wanted to take her to a pediatrician. Sandy wanted to treat her with meditation, incantations, and incense. No. Um, so Chuck finally, like, uh, it, like this started at, I want to say it was like 7 p.m. And by about 5 a.m., Chuck grew some fucking balls, took Devereaux out of bed, and quietly, like, took her to the pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drove around North Dallas for around two hours. Um, and she had like, until they finally were able to get to a pediatrician and it turns out she had scarlet fucking fever. Wow. Yeah. Thank goodness. You Seriously. Won. So from that morning on, Chuck knew that he was staying home purely to be near Devereaux mm-hmm. who like became something to fight over in their house. Right. So, during one argument, Sandy waved a butcher knife around the kitchen and said, quote, sometimes I think Devereaux would be better off in heaven. Oh, no. Yeah. So by this point, Sandy and Terry are besties. And Chuck is not fucking thrilled. Right. And he thinks, like, and rightfully so, that Terry is fucking batshit. Because right. what? Yeah. Um, Terry at this point is claiming that she is St. Teresa reincarnated. Uh, that she could diagnose illnesses over great distances with the proper jewelry. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's, that's our tagline. Just no. No. The case of the no. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, so anyway, um, Sandy said that uh, Terry could put a protective shield around Devereaux, a shield Terry had promised that would be strong enough to save her from anything except the negative vibrations, quote, from your husband, which are very powerful. So anything, but not that, because heaven forbid you, like, Dave. Yeah, I'm just, like, I'm really offended that she's taking all of my negative vibes. Like, she's just really fucking around with vibes, and it just, it really, really pisses me off. Right. Because she makes it into, like, a joke. Yes. And, like, I don't, have I said, like, I am, like, really, really into my vibes. Like, vibes are are a wavelength I ride at all of the time. Yeah. And um, it's, it's just, it, people piss me off, man. Like, they make it sound like it's something just, like, stupid. Yeah. And it's not. Like, sometimes you get, like, a gut feeling and you know something's going to happen or, like, something good is coming. And, like, that's that's this just, like, human nature. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, how you know if somebody's watching you. Yeah. Just, like, subconscious, like, feeling. Exactly. So, but this bitch. It takes it to a new level. Yes, and it irritates me. Um, do, do, do. So when Chuck complained about Devereaux's welfare, Sandy told him that, that all of their problems stemmed from his negative thoughts. I mean, I get that negativity like affects you, but yes. 
I don't really think he's being negative. Yeah. So she claimed that they could actually produce a bacteria and viruses that would infect her daughter. You know. Yeah. Uh, Sandy then wrote Terry a check for $3,000. And again, this is the 70s, so right. inflation. And um, Chuck, Chuck was like, what? Right, yeah. What? So but it's not his money, so yes. Um, Sandy attending a dinner party announced that she would be able to turn wine back into grape juice. Because also she is now also Jesus. Oh yeah, I forgot. Um, he Jesus. Held, yes, Chuck also held his tongue when Sandy announced that she was a former high priestess of Atlantis. And when she would go on to tell her family friend that they were compatible because in a previous life they had been married. Uh, That's so not weird at all. Yes. So now, not only is Terry losing her goddamn mind, uh, so is Sandy. And when Terry divorces her husband, then Sandy divorces Chuck, mm. uh, claiming that, quote, you are impeding on my spiritual growth, which is the exact same thing Terry told her husband. Oh. The exact same thing. Wow. Yes. So, though Terry would claim that Chuck was after Sandy's money, lawyers on both set, uh, both sides say money was the last thing on Chuck's mind. Um, under the divorce agreement, all Chuck kept in the marital estate was a 1971 Mercedes and his personal property. Mm. Um, one thing he assist, insisted upon was a provision in the divorce settlement saying that Sandra would only have and only take Devereaux to be treated by, quote, recognized physicians admitted to practice in Texas. Mm, yeah. Which, hard same, like, I would make sure that was fucking in there. Right, yeah. Um, while divorce was pending, Sandy paid for a Hawaiian honeymoon trip for Terry and Glenn. And that's all they needed. Yes. Um, she went with them, which is... What? Yeah taking Devereaux along for the ride despite a court order ordering her not to remove her from the state. Oh, she don't care about that. Nope. After, so this is after the divorce. Uh, Sandy and Terry became like practically, 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 mm-hmm. practically, practically, inseparable. practically, they became really fucking inseparable. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, Sandy helped Terry and Glenn make the jewelry that supported them. Her kitchen table was covered with jewelry making tools and would sell like some of their jewelry to the conscious development members. So with all of this, the conscious development movement was like the hottest thing in Dallas, uh, the like in the Dallas metaphysical community, maybe even like the Southwest. Mm -hmm. Um, it was attracting serious, good hearted people who wanted to become better in some way. Um, which the physical sciences could not explain. So, like, that was their whole thing. Um, some joined purely because of Terry's charisma and the knack of knowing what is important to people, um, but many had a crying need for something. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just a, just, just a place a to belong, human, yeah. basically. They wanted someone that's, like, giving them warmth and, like, mm-hmm. they some place to put their loyalty and that kind of thing. So that, that seems okay. However, Terry at this point saw no distinction between Conscious Development's funds and her own. Mm. Uh, donations, fees for lessons, and later proceeds from estates and some of her followers, like, 
all would go into her own personal bank accounts. Gotcha. Terry's mystic revelations sounded much more like various works um, from, like, different writers, Mm -hmm. like, actual writers. Sometimes Terry would tell people that in past lives they had been a great spiritual leader and then quote biographies straight from the well, like from a well-known book. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes Terry would give like the same illustrious past life to two or more of her followers. Right. So she just has some that she Yeah, like in the catalog. Terry at this point is like insisting on being the star. Like this bitch has to be in charge. She is saying that she is like the highest master of conscious development. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps like even the like Christ or Buddha of this group slash the world. The 40 men and women in the teachers group formed the, like the nucleus of mm-hmm. uh, conscious development. And in 1977, Joyce and several other former members contended um, like, Terry told them that she had been meditating and had been informed by spiritual masters that she and her friends had to do more than just study. They had to fight. There were two forces in the world, positive and negative, like good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and they must help the good. The evil forces, Terry announced, were called the Black Lords. Okay. Yeah. They traveled in lodges and could only be fought like in spiritual realms. Mm. Like in What's different lo- planes. Like they travel in lodges? What's a lodge? Like like a group. Oh, like they okay. only traveled in like groups. Okay. Um, Like in not in the physical world. Right. So um, the teacher's group had been selected as worthy of carrying on the battle. Mm-hmm. It would be like some, like, you know the other cult we talked about? How they were kind of like, shit's going to get fucked up if you're mm-hmm. not right here. Yeah. So that's basically the route Terry is taking. Also, mm-hmm. what is with the 70s and cults, man? I don't know. Have you noticed that? They were fighting for their own power. Basically. (laughs) I don't fucking know, man. (laughs) Anyway, so over time, conscious development teachers began, like, meeting. And they turned into, like, like from, like, casual, hey, what's up, Dave meetings Mm -hmm. to we need to stop everyone and we need to start chopping people's heads off. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Intense. (laughs) Yeah. um, Teachers would be in a circle. Uh The teachers would be. And then some of them would be in a triangle within the circle. Okay. And they would sit inside the magic circle. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, for safety, they would perform the protection ritual in preparation for battle. Okay. Each according to what Terry told them about her meditations, would bring them, like, bring something to the meeting. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody would have to bring a cup, a robe, a fan, a sword, um, or, like, a rod. Mm -hmm. Um, Except for the robe and the magic circle, the objects did not have to be full size. Some use, like, cocktail swizzle sticks for (laughs) swords. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess that's a lot cheaper than buying a whole sword, sword, so there is that. And a car antenna for rods. Okay. <laughs> Did yours, well, you weren't alive in the 70s, so <laughs> your parents' rod antenna ever went missing. <laughs> it could have been used for sorcery. I guess so. So the cup was a totem representing Gabriel, the angel. Okay. Um, the fan served as a shield uh, representing Ariel. Like one of those fans. 
Like, yeah, yeah. Not like a not like a, a electrical standing fan, fan. Like yeah, no, like a fan. hand fan thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm guessing because like I. Yeah, I guess gotcha. this is as much as I know. Um, so anyway, uh, the rod and the staff represented the archangel Michael. All except the rod were essentially defensive. Like okay, defensive. Yeah. Not yeah. offensive, but defensive. Yeah. Terry said they helped members attune themselves in, in order to protect the archangels. And um, it just might be me, but aren't they supposed to be, like, powerful? Can't they protect their own fucking selves? Right. Yeah. Why do they need lowly humans? Yeah. So, uh, former members say that the rod was an offensive weapon. Okay. Uh, used at the direction of Terry or whoever was leading the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, quote, we were taught to use these weapons to kill the Black Lords. Uh, one of the members, Joyce goes on to say mm-hmm. uh, members would make a series of gestures with their swords north south east and west uh, protect us all around and then would touch their rod to their shoulders which they believe to be the power center for the body which i feel like is not i feel like the power center for the body has to be in the center of your body <laughs> yeah i have i have beef about okay. this <laughs> Okay. okay. Like it, it's it's irritating me the lack of like thought that goes like into these. Yes. Mm-hmm. Quote and then you'd protect it like outward like the rod mm-hmm. outward and with your thought along with it and know that you are eliminating the black lord that you are really in a battle. Mm. End quote from Ms. Joyce. You sure would know for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, members knew this because Terry or her designated group leader told them that the battles were scheduled like football games. Mm. Um, <laughs> the group leader would give a body count. We got so many black lords last week. Okay. Yeah. Like, like where? Like basically. What? Um, regardless of how many battles went, the war got like super fucking dark mm-hmm. um emergency battles were called conscious developments teachers were up against increasingly evil spirits the teachers would swing around in unison touching their rods to their shoulders and aim the rods towards the corner where the like evil spirit was mm-hmm. uh frequently <laughs> i like how you keep saying mm-hmm. like this oh. totally <laughs> makes sense <laughs> like to them i guess i just imagine like be- before vr was like a thing yeah like that's like where they are they're like in virtual reality and like nothing is actually happening but they think it is or they pretend like it is and like they're like fighting the air but they're like fighting quote unquote Mm -hmm. the dark lord yeah yeah so um frequently the attacker was someone that was out of favor with the group Oh. Um, so former members were often cited as like conduits for the Black Lords, and so was Devereaux Cleaver. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's convenient. Let me just let me just say Devereaux at this point is like thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. A child. Yeah. It was after one of the early battles that the group learned that Glenn Cooley had uh, completed suicide, mm-hmm. which is Terry's second husband mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, Alice Hoffman, one of the teachers, made the announcement. Alice and her husband, Don, had joined the group after their three-year-old son drowned in the backyard. Oh, That's so sad. Um, they became, like, really fucking close with Terry and Glenn. Mm-hmm. And later, Don would marry Terry. What? 
Yeah. No. <laughs> like it just gets more wild from this point. It just sounds like on. a reason for people to have sex with each other. That, I feel like that's basically the founding reason of most cults. Is the kitchen window open? No. Just the blind. Is. Okay. Um, it totally looks like it is from here. Anyway, not en- enough about our wonderful kitchen window. Uh, do to do. So Alice says she knew Glenn was upset about his recent divorce from Terry because they had gotten divorced as well. But like they thought that he had gotten over it. Mm, okay. But I mean, like divorce still. Yeah. And he's like a young dude. Right. Yeah. She was what, like thirty years or at least twenty. Twenty years older than him, I believe. Um. And so like, there's like this whole like addictive like all-consuming personality and, and then she's she like, just like divorces you and you're just like i don't even know who i am anymore like he didn't know who he was to begin with he was right. a child too yeah damn but okay still even more so yeah it's just really really strange it's so sad for him like yeah. you know because he didn't ever live life just you know to live life she pretty much right out of before college pretty much yeah he was um stuck with this lady and her crazy ideas and everything yeah. And he's just trying to find a place to be himself and belong or whatever. And then, yeah, that's crazy. So a little bit about Glenn. Mm-hmm. He, one, his family never approved of the marriage because, like, why I the mean, fuck would you? Yeah. Um, Terry was almost twice his age. Uh, but Glenn was described as, like, a gentle, creative type who never really fit in. And his parents, like had like a mold cut out for him Mm -hmm. um so he was like the kind that would like break just (laughs) are you taking away the scissors from me i I have plant scissors sitting beside me and i was messing with them and sierra just (laughs) just took them away (laughs) you can't have scissors (laughs) oh my god did i i I think i've told you this when i was three Okay, guys, when I was three, I cut my brother's nose um, because he touched my uh, Barbie purse. And As you do. As, as you do. Um, don't fucking touch my things. And <laughs> um, he had to get stitches because mm-hmm. it, like, full-on cut his nose. So I was, I'm a great sister. <gasps> Why did you take those away from me? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Here. <laughs> Not the bag. Thank you. I don't know why. I just was like, I need those. Give me my freaking scissors. No. <laughs> you can't have them now. Oh, my God. Okay. Fine. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Um, I got my scissors back. That's all that matters. Um, now I feel like you're going to stab me with them. <laughs> Even though they have curved edges. You can still anyway. do some damage. You could chop off one of your fingers. <laughs> Getting like a, an intense sense of deja vu right now. <laughs> so me telling you I'm going to chop off your fingers? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Have you told me that before? No. <laughs> I've, I've told you before that you can bite your finger off as easily as you bite into a carrot, but your brain stops you. Uh, no, you definitely haven't told me I that I haven't before. told you that because that's no. like one of my favorite things to tell people. <laughs> no, you definitely haven't told me that, but I'm pretty sure you have mentioned possibly cutting a lesson before. <laughs> 
I really don't think I have. Because then I feel like I went into the story of how my brother's finger was cut off and all that afterwards. No, I don't know the story as to why your brother doesn't have his finger. I just know he doesn't have one. Oh. It was cut off by my other brother. Oh. Okay. Yeah. They were climbing a tree. Uh-huh. And um, the one brother had the, uh, little, like, the hatchet thing. Mm-hmm. He was cutting off, like, branches. Just yeah, like, as an idiot would do. And... <laughs> Because it was like... We're a, so kind. Like, it was a tree, you know? Like yeah. a growing tree. Like, why are you cutting off the branches anyway? Um, it honestly seems like something my brothers just would do. To be dest- Every single one of just them. Just to be destructive, you know? Basically, yes. And he accidentally chopped the finger off. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I think yep. that's worse than cutting Grayson's nose. Yeah. Because, like, Grayson, you can't tell. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, that's why he's missing a pinky. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh man, we have great families. <laughs> I was just thinking today, I was like, there was some really messed up stuff that got went down like in my family. Like when I was younger, like I, I, I knew it was not good, but like I didn't really think of it as like I thought it was normal, I guess. And then I was like, Oh, I full on realized how fucked up my family was. And like, then like I was thinking about it today for some reason I was like really messed up like (laughs) that should not happen no like honestly i think we're really normal all things considered okay yeah like our respective families like i think we've turned out aces compared (laughs) to what the fuck we could be yeah anyways i was just slight detour let's talk about somebody who else who's really 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 fucked up you ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> nice you, little segue I hope back. You guys are. <laughs> <laughs> They've all turned off and not listening anymore. Um, anyway, so. What if like there's somebody like skips to the middle just to like, do people do that? To just not listen to us talk at the to, beginning. Just like, skip. Yeah. I don't know. I a lot of times if I'm listening to a podcast, this sounds terrible, but I fast forward through the last little bit, mm-hmm. like them like t- thanking patrons or whatever. Yeah. Just because, yeah, it's over now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. Oh, okay. Nope. I'm gonna. Th- I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish. I okay, have. Keep going. Sorry. Ooh, okay. So Glenn really just wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. He wanted to find somebody to fit in with, and what better place than a fucking cult where that's the main objective, right? Or at least that's their selling point. Uh, so Terry seemed to offer him like just that plus security. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, she claims that she helped him quit using drugs. So once Terry told Glenn that. A girlfriend he was, like, seeing casually Mm -hmm. was headed for a car wreck and that Terry prevented it through meditation. Glenn said he was, like, all in. Oh. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then um, he, like, things in the group are changing, Mm -hmm. like, through the Battle of the Dark Lords or the Black Lords. I'm sorry, not the Dark Lords. That's Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> um, Harry I mean, Potter it's before it's Harry the Potter. Same thing, right? Sure. Um, but anyway, so Glenn then says that he wants out of conscious development uh, and his marriage to Terry. Mm-hmm. And on November twenty fourth, nineteen seventy six, Terry filed what she calls a completely amicable divorce from Glenn. Uh, five days later, he filed a waiver allowing for a speedy processing of the divorce, which granted on which was like granted on mm-hmm. January twenty seventh, nineteen seventy seven. Six days later, he was dead. 
Sounds suspicious. Just a bit. So, Terry told investigators that she found a note in her safe on February 2nd, apparently left there by Glenn the day before. And this is what it reads. I, Glenn Cooley, give Terry Cooley all of my property, both personal and real. This includes two boats, a 1972 Buick Limited, all jewelry and equipment for its making, all furnishings for the house on Dunhaven Road. This is where, like, they had just bought Mm -hmm. a house, like, two weeks earlier. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, And all cash. I ask that this last will of mine not be contested by anyone in any way for any reason. Last but not least, I give all my love to my family and friends. As for an explanation of this all, I can't really say what it is because of, uh, but I can say what it is not because of. It is not because of the divorce with Terry, past drug experiences, inability to uh, cope, and, like, etc. Mm-hmm. He, he literally says etc. So. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, the investigating judge's report said that Terry had called Alice Hoffman when she found Glenn's note. Remember Alice and Danny? Yeah. Um, when she found Glenn's note and that they, along with a group member, Ben, traveled to a cabin Glenn's parents owned on Lake Grapevine. They then found Glenn's body fully clothed and in bed. There was a foamy substance oozing from his mouth and a half-empty can of Coors beer on the dresser next to the bed. Two pills were discovered under the body. Traces of liberium and valium were discovered in Glenn's body, and uh, death was then attributed to a drug overdose. Mm. Yeah. So, Glenn's, with Glenn's death, uh, which some people blamed on the blackboards, shook, like, the faith of some of the conscious development members mm-hmm. and teachers at this point. Yeah. What came next drove many out of the group. Uh, quote, we were told that our blood was being poisoned by the black lords. Yes. Mm-hmm. We needed to have our blood, like, let out. Like, bloodletting. No. <laughs> no. I wish you guys could see Sierra's face sometimes. Ooh. Taken out of ourselves to drain out the poison. Is how Joyce describes it. <laughs> Oh, guys. Yeah. Guys, guys, guys. Yeah. So several of the members backed out. Like, they're like, peace, motherfuckers. No, thank you. Um, So homegirl Sandy. Like, it's one thing to, like, to fight an invisible force. (laughs) Another thing. (laughs) To have a bloodletting ceremony. Well, of some of its blood. Yeah, yeah. So they'll actually hurt you. You remember Sandy, homegirl yeah. Sandy. Yeah, she is like fucking the down. Crazy one. Yeah, yeah, she is mm-hmm. fucking down for it. She goes, they're all crazy. San- quote: Sandy got several syringes and sterilized them and took out blood for of whoever felt they needed to have their blood let. A little vial, as much as uh, like as if you were getting your blood tested by uh-huh. a doctor. Yeah, was taken. What are they doing with that? I have no idea. Uh, t- I mean. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so Terry says that, like, it wasn't her idea. The bloodletting was not her idea. It was another member named Janine. And I honestly don't feel like I can trust a lady named Janine. Mm. It just... Janine. <laughs> uh, like, if I had an arch enemy, her name would be Janine. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, just like that. 
vibe you get from her. Yes. That name. Yes. Okay, so Terry would call people on the phone and tell them that they had been poisoned and needed to have blood taken. By 1978, several people were leaving. Because, honestly, why the fuck wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, some people were saying that, like, the relying on someone else's judgment instead of their own judgment was not right. Mm-hmm. And um, having Terry as, like, the ultimate authority of their life rather than them as the mm-hmm. ultimate authority was, like... Yeah. Dictated, <laughs> dictating everybody's life. Basically. So as other members of the group defected, Sandy grew even more loyal to mm-hmm. Terry, if that's possible. Um, Terry said that Devereaux had been, again, the daughter, mm-hmm. had been taken over and that she was, quote, a great and powerful negative being. Oh, jeez. Again, this is a 13-year-old child. Right. Uh, who was attacking her, Sandy told her that Devereaux, quote, was trying to get her and do nasty things to her and deviate her energy. Sandy put two Egyptian totems under Devereaux's bed, a crook and a flail, both like symbols mm-hmm. of protection. Other members of the group balked at the notion that Terry was undergoing what she called pain and agony at the hands of the Black Lords. So, like, basically, Terry was claiming that she was taking on punishment for her students Mm. and um, who would not be able to bear the pain. Like, they couldn't handle that she was taking it for them, doing a good deed for them. Basically, yeah. That's like when men try to tell you that getting kicked in the nuts is the same as, and like, worse than period cramps. Or having a baby or something. Or having a baby. Exactly. So, anyway, so... um. Sandy full-on fucking believed it. She is the most gullible. Oh, God, yeah. Thinking that Terry would be helped by powerful jewelry, um, like, mm-hmm. she, like, you know, the, the bigger the gem, the better. Right. Uh, she gave Terry pieces of her fine collection again. Again. So, I just, I don't understand. I don't get the jewelry thing. Like, you can only have so much of it. Like, well, she's rich. She a rich bitch. So she just keeps buying more. I know. Um, and while other members were quitting, Sandy signed up for life. In 1978, about August, she wrote a will leaving everything to Terry. Her house, her antiques, her valuable, like, prints, her inheritance, which was providing her with, like, a steady income of about $20,000 a year, which, again, mm-hmm. inflation, I don't know how much that would right, be now. Yeah. Um, Devereaux was not even mentioned in the will. Wow. Yeah, though she was alive and living with Sandy. Yeah. Uh, of course, Devereaux had a, like, a trust fund of her own amounting to about Mm -hmm. $125,000. Four days after Sandy wrote her new will, uh, Devereaux did as well. Uh, her money, too, was going to conscious development. Hmm. Yeah. Um, in fact, Devereaux prepared two wills, both dated August 18th, 1978. The first was addressed to Terry and Ben Johnson, who Terry had married five months after Glenn Cooley's death. Mm-hmm. It was like if 13-year-old Moody you mm-hmm. wrote a will. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Devereaux left her, like, rock collection mm-hmm. to the science department at her school, her paperback books to the school library, which is honestly precious, mm-hmm. her National Geographics to conscious development, and her money to conscious development as well. 
she left her mother um, her art portfolio and like a message saying, mom's friends forever. I love you a great deal. And then to her dad, she left her basketball and um, her reading award, just like little, little stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So the second will, however, was copied from a legal book and was like everything dictated out using all of the proper terms. It had witnesses. It had like, it had been notarized, everything. So just a different vibe. Mm -hmm. Now, people obviously found out about Devereaux's will because she's going around telling people. She's a 13-year-old girl. She's not keeping fucking secrets. Yeah, she doesn't know. No. So um, it stunned her friends, and her dad (laughs) was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, legally, minors cannot write wills in Texas. Okay. Like, they're not held up. Mm -hmm. Um, And Devereaux was not a fan of conscious development. Like Mm -hmm. she told her dad all of the time that she was like frustrated with her mom. And I only do this thing to make my mom happy. Like she Mm -hmm. would get like headaches. Um, and her mom would make her come in to the circle, like the production circle and Mm -hmm. do like incantations and everything just to like, instead of taking her to the doctor or giving her an ibuprofen and going to bed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's just a very interesting relationship. Yeah. And this whole time, Terry is telling her, telling Sandy that her daughter is evil. Mm-hmm. And Sandy is, like, quietly doing all of these other little things. Yeah. You remember how I told you Sandy paid for the um, honeymoon of Terry? hmm So Hawaii is, like, their hot spot. They've been mm-hmm. there a couple times. And on February 25th, 1979, Devereaux and Sandy took a blue inflatable raft, 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 um, a blue inflatable raft and waded into the waters of like a mud flat lagoon near the Guadalupe Peninsula. I really, I don't know if that's how you say it, but we're going to go with it. (laughs) Um, So the lagoon, which Cherry had visited on previous trips, there was essentially like no beach And the water was shallow and calm for about 400 yards until waves broke out like nobody's fucking business. Mm. There was really, really sharp coral reef in that area as well. Sounds coincidentally dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) So um, while one of their friends went off and had like, you know, fun, a fun little nap and everything, Mm -hmm. uh, Sandy and Devereaux waited into the reef. Uh, they were over the reef when a rave knocked them down off, like, off of the raft. A Sand- wave? Yes, a wave. Okay. okay. Like, knocked them out mm-hmm. of the boat, raft, whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandy later told Chuck, which is the dad, mm-hmm. that Devereaux, a strong swimmer, said, I'm scared, Mommy, which is, what? Mm. Why, why do you have to tell him that? Like, right, yeah. Um, so she goes on to say that I told her to hold on to my hand and we would get out of this. But another wave apparently knocked them mm-hmm. apart. And Sandy later said that she remembered diving underwater to look for Devereaux. But all she remembered was awakening atop a reef and calling for help, unable to see her daughter. So her friend that went off and took a nap, Lynn, a call, like, here's her calling, apparently. And called the fire department. Sandy was rescued. It, like, had bruises and everything in shock. Mm-hmm. And Devereaux could not be found. So, at this point, Terry now knows about it. 
Terry calls Chuck and um, was saying that Sandy was in the hospital and Deborah was missing. I don't know if, I mean, I guess, I don't feel like that's enough information to <laughs> give the dad, you know what I mean? Yeah, so him and, like, one of his friends fly out, and when they land, they find out that Deborah has actually been, like, pronounced dead. Mm. Um, and while they were, like, airborne, a follower of Terry's called Chuck's house, saying that they had a document she was supposed to let them, Chuck's family, see, and it was Deborah's will. I can't believe you would kill a 13-year-old girl just for her money. Yeah. So Chuck visited Sandy in the hospital. Quote, when we first got there, she was acting like a normal human being. He said she goes on. uh, I'm sorry. He goes on to say she cried. She said she was sorry about Devereaux. She thanked me for coming to see her. Um, Then he goes on to say that Terry walked into the room. Sandy stopped crying and began saying things such as Devereaux will be happier in heaven. Um, apparently was like almost instantly, like this glaze came over Sandy's eye and she became like super distant, Mm. like distant, um, just like completely different mood, right? Completely different person. Yeah. So an autopsy showed no signs of foul play. I mean, it's the seventies. So like, (laughs) right. There's that, but also like you took her out there knowing it was dangerous. Yeah. And so don't necessarily need foul play legs. Yeah. So, uh, and there was no traces of drugs or alcohol in Devereaux's body. Mm -hmm. Um, Within two months after Devereaux's death, Sandy took out a $300,000 life insurance policy, double the amount recommended by her insurance agent. Uh, It was payable to Terry and Terry alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, By December, after Devereaux's death, Sandy had given Terry a gift of all her world, worldly, worldly, mm-hmm. all her worldly goods, including her house, her valuable artwork, and silver, which she continued to like hold on to. Uh, the gift was to become effective when Sandy died. Well, now you're not long for Earth. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. Um. So that June. Sandy helped in, like, incorporate conscious development with Terry as the sole member of board of directors. Nah. <laughs> That's never a good idea. No. Never. Oh, my God. Um, so, Sandra went out of town frequently and, like, normally left a key to her house with neighbors, the Hennies. Hennies? I don't really know. Mm-hmm. The, the kids of that family would feed her cat and, like, mow her lawn when she was gone and everything. Yeah. But uh, before September 8th, when she left for Colorado, she had the locks of her house changed and did not ask the family for help. So Sandy, yes, Sandy and her friend Wheezy. Really? Yeah, that's a nickname. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Still not good. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) It really isn't. Um, So Sandy and Wheezy spent their first night in Colorado at the home of Terry's sister in Colorado Springs. Um, on September 9th, they left to make the inspection trip to the conscious development land near Cripple Creek. Also, not a great name. No. Um, that's like, what was the creek we saw the other day? And I could not stand the name of it. Do you remember? I just remember I couldn't like it. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the next day, an Air Force Academy paramedic happened to spot their mercury links at the base of the 450-foot cliff below the Golden Camp Road. Uh, Sandra and Wheezy had been thrown from the car and killed. 
the local medical examiner fixed their time of death around noon. There were no skid marks, no tire tracks at all on the red clay and granite road. There were no clues what it might have caused them to drive off the, cl the cliff. The cl car was completely fine. Like, other than being dropped 450 feet. But like, right, there was no, like, cut lines or whatever. Yeah. So, Sandy's brother, Prune, mm -hmm. that is his actual name. Okay. <laughs> contested the will, and his lawyer, James, called it a result of fraud and undue influence. The case was settled, but Hoffman and her movement were faced with, like, huge fucking bad publicity. <sighs> bad publicity at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, three of the four followers who testified on Hoffman's behalf would later complete suicide. Quotes. Yes. Um, by the mid-1980s, Hoffman had founded the perfume mixing company, Perfume Oils International, and begun performing, like, acupuncture massages. I would not that let this bitch... That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, it would be like, you know, the poison... Perfume and um, oh, killing Oh, and yes, basically, yeah. That's what it would be. Yeah. It would be like, it would cause you to give all your money to her, and then you would die. Basically, yes. So, then we move on to Robin Ostot. Sure. Um, who Terry had matched with an invisible CIA agent named George. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, you can't have George, okay? George is the name of the ghost. Yeah. Who's oh, a sweet, why kind it? soul. Like, don't do that to him. <laughs> Rude. No. So, uh, she believed that her non-physical bodies were working against her and that her best friend, Tamara Taylor's invisible CIA lover, Martin, was threatening her life. So they both have CIA lovers that are invisible? Yes. George and Martin? Yes. And Martin was threatening? Robin. Robin. Yes. So, um... That makes no sense, by the way. It makes no sense whatsoever. So, on April 19th, 1987... Again, this is going on for a hot fucking minute. Yes. She told her former husband that she had terminal viral hepatitis, but was persuaded to see a doctor, like, by him. Um, oh, okay. So I thought she was telling him that she was persuaded to, tell her to see a doctor. No, 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 no. Her husband persuaded her ex-husband, uh, yeah. persuaded her to see a doctor. Okay. So two days later, after Terry visited, uh, Robin completed suicide with a thirty-eight cal uh, caliber revolver. Her blood test later showed no signs of disease. What the heck? Yeah. In November 1987, Chicago follower Mary Levison was found dead from a drug overdose. $125,000 in cash was missing, and she had changed her life insurance policy less than two weeks before her death. Oh, my goodness. The new beneficiary was her former boyfriend, Larry Keyes, who she had met through Terry. Uh, Terry Hoffman's fourth husband, Don Hoffman, who had fallen out of favor in the movement, was discovered dead from a mixed drug intoxication. Um, in September 1988. In his legal pad, Don cited his terminal inoperable cancer as the reason for his suicide. The autopsy found no traces of cancer. But even if he had completed suicide because he thought he had cancer, she's the one probably that told him he had cancer. Yes. 
uh, Terry explained to Don's son, Rick, that the blackboards had hidden the evidence of brain cancer, like behind an illusion. And she was the sole beneficiary for her mm. entire husband's estate. Uh, Rick and his sister Janet filed a, wrong, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Terry in March of 1989. Uh, four days after Don Hoffman's death, former cult member Jill Bounds was beaten to death in her home. Oh my goodness. The killer had browsed through her 1979 diary and ripped out some pages. Bounds left the movement in 1982, but despite being afraid of her... Like, Terry visited a few months before her death, which caused police to look for a connection, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In June 1989, longtime followers David and Glenda Goodman marked in their journal that they had received instructions from God to practice shooting. Uh. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Four months later, God announced that he, quote, the way is clear to get high energies. It is like this. You're about to be joined in a marriage between your physical selves and your spirit. All is in readiness. The date is set for October 20th. The Goodmans were found dead late November, five weeks after dying in a ritualistic double death. Oh my goodness. Uh, Spurred by news reports, the Goodmans and the pattern of deaths uh, that followed Hoffman, a criminal Mm -hmm. investigation was launched by the Dallas District Attorney's Office in January 1990. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's already gone. Basically. Um, So Assistant District Attorney Cecile Emerson stated that it would be difficult to determine if mind control could legally be a contributing factor in death. Terry and Conscious Development denied any wrongdoing. Terry's lawyer, Fred Time, which... What? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, referred to the investigation as a witch hunt and praised his client's persona. After four years, prosecutors could not find evidence leaking Terry to the death. So, Terry then files for bankruptcy in October 1991... How? I don't know. And she was sentenced to 16 months in prison for 10 counts of bankruptcy fraud in May 1994. She was released after serving a year. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the, in 1995, um, Unsolved Mysteries featured an episode on the mysterious di- disappearance of one of the followers, mm-hmm. Charles Southern. Hoffman later married again. And uh, to one Roger Keenly and changed her name to Terry Lila, Lilia, Lil, okay, Terry Lilia Keenly. And she started a website touting her experience and many talents. She then goes on to write a financial advice book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> her financial advice is get everybody to give you their money. Basically. And then um, on October 31st, 2015, she dies. Yeah, too long of a life. And that is the story case of conscious development and Terry Hoffman, Keenly, Cooley, Walder. <laughs> Whatever that. Yeah, basically. Oh my god. <laughs> is that a fucking batshit? That is insane. Like, one person's like desire for what (laughs) exactly like she doesn't even accomplish anything cool like that's a waste 
Like yeah, a waist. A hella waist. Wow. Yeah. I can't even, like, I can't even imagine, like, the the state, the mental state you have to be in to, like, do something like that. To, like, manipulate everyone around you to be totally fake, because obviously she didn't care about any of them, only herself, mm-hmm. and to manipulate them solely for their money and their in the the following that gives you influence over people. Yeah. And it's, like, to make all that stuff up, like, I can't even imagine, like... The person you have to be. Like, are you okay with yourself? Like, at the end of the day? I mean, I honestly think that she thought she was such hot shit that she could literally keep getting away with it. And she did. She got away with almost all of it. She only served, what, like a year in prison? Uh, For something completely different. Exactly. So it's like, obviously, you did accomplish that. But, like, I don't, like, you have to live with yourself. Yeah, but she doesn't fucking care. That's what I mean. I, I feel like narcissists like this don't care. Like, they yeah. don't think about it. Like, classic sociopath. Like, jeez. Yeah. So. Holy cheese. fucking wild, man. But, yeah. So, yeah. Um, women get shit done. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, jeez. I know. It's fucking insane. Like. And then Sandy just following along with it. I mean, and, like, eventually you would think people would realize. Yeah. Like, I mean, some people did. Like, well, they did yeah, lose members. But, like, so many but then people they were killed. still died. And it's, like, you kind of have to go into, like, a protection program against her. because Yeah, really, though. She pretty much found everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just fucking wild, man. All right. You ready to do all the things? I, I don't know if I'm mentally prepared to transition to that, but... <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh god ugh. wow yeah that's insane yeah. sorry this is a long one guys but also not sorry because it was fucking crazy it was a roller coaster and it got real crazy there at the end like i told you it would i didn't even know which way we were going <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she died on halloween oh, too how like rude <laughs> Way to fuck up my holy holiday. Like, you can't have that. No, it's mine. Ugh. Oh, my goodness. She probably thought, oh, this is part of my plan. <laughs> yeah, fucking up with some girl named Emily's holiday. Like, this is the dark holiday. I'm going to go out. <laughs> with the black lords. Yeah. Do you think she continued talking about it? It's, like, what I wanted to see. Because, like, from uh, what I yeah. saw is, like, she just kind of lived her own little life. Besides, like, writing the book and shit. I mean, I think, like, she did if it would help her in a situation. Oh, yeah. But I think no. Yeah. Like, her normal everyday life, no, probably not. But, like, to people who she thought might benefit, it might benefit her to do, to mm-hmm. be part of that, then yeah. yeah. Probably. Yeah. That makes sense. But. All right. Okay. Plug well, all the things. After that. Um, <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> Basically, get more fun talks. We we came up with a new show on there. It's mm-hmm. pretty fun. Um, anyway, Sierra, you get to do the rest because I'm done talking. <laughs> um, but p- please do follow us on Instagram or Facebook and or Facebook, whichever one uh is more up your alley. Um, hold up these these scissors say stainless china. <laughs> 
Instead of stainless steel made in China? Yeah, it just says stainless China. <laughs> oh, that's not true. The, I, oh, guys, I got the scissors back. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be stainless if you stab me. <laughs> okay, these, one, these are like my gardening shears, and mm. I, was, I was trimming our plant's yeah. leaves, so that's why I'm not just playing with scissors. Um, Although. <laughs> I kind of am at the moment. Um, I need something to fidget with, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, no, so I was trimming the plant's leaves, Rizzo and Rizzo Jr.'s leaves, and um, I guess I just left my scissors over here, but, yeah. Well, they were, I, because they, they were on our end table. Yeah. Okay. So that's totally fine. Okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, so. Facebook. Follow <laughs> us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, that's where we post the pictures of the cases, and um, Emily posts interesting and timely things that are happening on there as well. It's pretty funny, I think. Funny and I find myself hilarious, so, as, as we've all gathered. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have our website that has more information about the cases, has the sources on there. Uh, we also have some uh, resources that you guys can use if you want to, if you need them. Um, you can contact us. Through because the you guys are important. Yes. And as uh, you you heard my whole spiel at the beginning of this, mental mm-hmm. health this week is yeah. Ooh. In full swing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you can contact us through the through the website. That's it. Um, as well. So drop something in there. Let us know you're alive Please and knocking spam. I'm tired of getting the spam emails. Mm. Um, so the lady was like, do you need your software updated? And I'm like, bitch, Sierra does this. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so paranormpodcast.com. Let us know um, how you're feeling about it. Yeah, we have updates coming soon. We have some cool things in the works, so follow us on all that stuff. And then the if you want to send us a regular email, paranormpodcast at gmail.com. And then Sierra, if you want to send us mail yeah actual mail the thing that brings me all of the serotonin in life (laughs) you can send that to paranormal podcast uh p.o box 1416 monroe north carolina 28111 that's three threes not three threes (laughs) no that's three ones there we go (laughs) i told you guys i'm not in the best headspace so um okay yeah i hope you guys have a good week i'm gonna try to have a good week um Still, I mean, still. just have the week you have because heaven knows. Basically, yeah. Say anything else, yeah. It'll be you fine. You don't even want to know. We're we're fine. So, okay, it's fine. It's fine. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.